I'm Rechard Sonneberg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. Talk Central, episode 218 for the week starting 13 May 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, multi-choice fight the prospect of regulation to contain its dominance in pay TV. Also this week, Nomvula Mokonyani says little on digital migration. Naspert buys Flipkart, or flips Flipkart rather. Vodacom <laughs> wants 5G spectrum allocated now. And we talk about Google's big I.O. developer conference. Yes, indeed. It's Sunday, not Friday, but it's still time for us to talk tech. Let's get into it. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Rehat? How's it, Duncan? Yeah, Sunday afternoon again. I kind of like this time to record the show, actually. It's um, it's much more relaxed than a Friday afternoon when we're trying to clear the emails for the week and all the rest of it. Yeah, true, true. But I am I am uh, in, in like that, that uh, mindset of, oh, you need to think of work now. But no, not really. <laughs> it's <laughs> just is, a relaxed Sunday. This is work? <laughs> not really. No, it's not me about all the coolest stuff in tech. Absolutely. And of course, if you are listening live to the show and you want to participate, if you've got a view on anything we're talking about today, um, or uh, have any questions for us, please do send us a WhatsApp a message, preferably a voice note, and we can cl- include it on air. The number to use, very easy to remember, 71 9 That's 71 And let's uh, let's go to those messages. Not a voice note uh, this morning, but we have a, a message here. Who's it from? Let's have a look. Um, it's, it's from uh, Tafadzwa. And Tafadzwa says, hey, guys, thanks for the great show. What are your thoughts on the FTTH products offered by the mobile network operator? Operators. I'm on Vodacom Fiber because that's the only option available to me on a 20 slash 10 megabit per second asymmetrical capped product, and I've not had any downtime for almost a year. I'm paying $7.99 a month for 300 gigabytes of capped unshaped opposed to, as opposed to $8.99 for shaped uncapped. Um, and then he's included a speed test showing a pretty solid 20 meg down and 10 meg up. Yeah. Um, awesome. Fiber, Vodacom Fiber. Um, mm-hmm. Vodacom Fiber is not that broadly available. Um, I actually recorded a very interesting podcast uh, on, I think it was Monday, with Shamil Jusup, the CEO of uh, Vodacom. We had a, a wide-ranging discussion, and uh, he said that Fiber is an area where Vodacom uh, needs to focus more attention. In fact, in their most recent annual report, which was released around May or June last year, they said that they have not performed um, according to their own targets in the fiber market, and they're going to be ramping up investment there, um, whether that means acquisitions, and there's certainly some rumors that Vodacom is eyeing a potential acquisition, um, which I can't really talk about at this stage because I haven't firmed it up yet, but there's some interesting chit-chat, so interesting rumors and speculation going on in the market about uh, possible deals. So... Um, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if you we're both on Vumatel, so I don't I don't know if you have a specific view on the on the mobile operators fiber offerings. Um, well, I'm, I've been with Celsi since day one when I got my installation. They on offered, top of Vumatel. On top of Vumatel, yeah. yeah they offered yeah. a very good package. The reason why I went with them is they had a good, good package and they paid for the installation as one of those kind of early startup, uh, early um, kind of marketing uh, ex, uh, marketing expats that they had. Um, and I have, I've never had a day of problems, to be honest with you. I've got two lines with them now, um, and the service has been fantastic. I can probably put it down to, you know, they, they're not as, um, con- they don't have as many clients as the other guys, perhaps. So good service will always be there, I guess. You know, if you, if you have a smaller client base, perhaps that's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. But, um, I haven't had a problem with them. I'm a, I'm a very happy Celsius fiber customer. 
Yeah. But that, that comes down to, to price and, and, and performance and features and reliability. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I've also had very few problems on my Vumatel, um, line. I am currently with cool ideas, but I, 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 um, I do switch ISPs from time to time. Uh, cool ideas is for fantastic. Cause, for the cause, Duncan. Yeah, for the cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, test, test them all out. Uh, try, at least try to. There's so many of them. You can't obviously get to all of them, but, uh, mm-hmm. but my Vumatel line has been rock solid. Uh, I think it's been down for about, th- it went down for about three hours once, and that was the only downtime I had in a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, it, I think there was one or two instances where it was down for maybe five minutes, and I think it was an ISP issue rather than a, a line-related right. issue. So it's been rock solid. But, uh, yeah, um, in terms of the actual fiber infrastructure, I think the mobile operators are quite a long way behind Telcom and uh, uh, Telcom and um, Vumatel. And uh, certainly Shamil is saying they're going to be ramping up investment in the space, so it's going to get more competitive. You can, of course, buy Vodacom for Fiber as an ISP. Vodacom is an ISP on top of uh, Vumatel, and I think on top of OpenServe as well, although I stand to be corrected there. Certainly on top of Vumatel, and their prices seem to be quite in line with uh, with the other providers. Yeah, look, it make, I mean, it makes sense for everybody if they've got the ability to do it. It just, just gives the consumer more option. I'm still surprised every now and then when I look at the, the pricing page on that Vumatel kind of back-end page we logged in, hmm. where it shows you all the packages you can get. And, you know, once in a while I pop in there just to see what's around, see if there's any cool features and services. Um, and, and there's one or two that seem to be kind of just out of sync with everybody else, nothing, nothing major, but you can get some really good deals. What I think we're going to start seeing soon is these uh, fiber companies start offering things like 54-inch TVs or 68-inch TVs with a one-year contract on their ISP. Mm. Makes you, sense. Makes you sense. Have to still, you have to start enticing people. What's a differentiator? Because to be honest with you, 20 meg fiber or 50 meg fiber is 50 meg fiber. It's really that good, generally speaking. The things that differentiate is client customer services. Yeah. Um, and with Celsius, I've had some good services because the guys come out, you kind of get to build a little relationship with them. And then if you have any queries or issues in the future, you know, you know who to speak to, which is fantastic. But yeah, when it comes to the differentiator, I think we're going to start seeing some interesting add-ons for customers. Mm, you're right. You're right. It's uh, It's been mainly just selling selling bandwidth to now, up to now. But uh, I, I think some ADSL ISPs have been doing that in the past, selling TVs and stuff with your connection. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. You're right. I'm surprised there isn't more of it going on, especially in the fiber space. Where it would make yeah. sense to yeah. package Netflix and all these other things with it. You know, what I would also like to see is, is some, you know, Give me some better router options, uh, and I'm saying that specifically because I've recently tested this gaming router, and uh, it makes a big difference if you kind of if you have a better, you know, if you have a better brains where your net, where your fiber comes into the house, you know. Yeah. Um, especially be- especially if you've got on 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 a, one of the really speedy packages, a hundred meg or higher, then it, it really does make sense to have a good router. Yeah, give me give me an option of some routers that I can, that I really enjoy using, or, mm. or you know, and some of them could go up to five six grand, so it makes sense to bolt it onto. Give it to me, hopefully, at a, at a no-interest finance package and just bolt it on to, to mm. my monthly charge. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the fiber market certainly continues to be interesting. Um, so thanks so much for your message. And uh, please keep them coming. Um, 071-999-1111. Please send us a WhatsApp voice note um, or a text message, but we prefer voice notes because we can include them on the show. And um, tell us what you think of the show, what we're talking about. Uh, do you have any particular views or questions? We'd love to hear from you. And you don't need to send them uh, while we're recording live. Of course, you can send them any time during the week, and uh, we can include them when we record uh, either on a Friday or, as now seems to be the more more the case, on a Sunday afternoon. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's get into uh, this week's show, and let's get going with the quiz. Do you want to do the first question? 
Certainly. The first question, which regulations does the SAPC want amended or scrapped that it says unfairly benefits paid TV operators, including multi-choice? Diamond giant De Beers has started tracking gems using which technology? Third question, which Chinese smartphone giant is expected to launch an initial public offering soon, making billionaires out of its founders? And Vodafone is spending 18 billion euros buying European telecommunications assets from which company? And the final question, China Telecom Global is set up internet points of presence in South Africa in partnership with which operator? That's our quiz this week. As always, we'll get to the answers at the end of the show. But uh, let's let's dive into this week's news. And uh, Rechard, as I mentioned on the show last Sunday, I'd be spending quite a bit of my time at Icasa's offices this week, which I indeed did do. Didn't make it to all the presentations, but uh, did make it to some of the key ones, including a part of MultiChoice's presentation on Friday, as well as the SABC's presentation and Celsius uh, presentation. Also had a chance to read through ETV's submission, although I didn't make it to their to the specific hearings. All very interesting stuff. Um, but, uh, I mean, if I'm going to summarize it, I, th- I guess I'd have to say that uh, the um, every, everyone except MultiChoice is arguing for more or tougher regulations in the pay TV market. And uh, and uh, uh, MultiChoice was arguing that uh, they've got plenty of competition coming. The market is functioning. Netflix is giving us hell. And uh, please don't impose any additional regulations on us because um, it will harm us and cost South African jobs. Um, so two polarized positions, I guess. Uh, um, multi-choice, let's start with multi-choice's um, uh, submission on, on Friday. It was a very long, I unfortunately had to go through to Pretoria for a, a state IT agency press conference, so I wasn't able to stay for the whole thing. But uh, I heard the bulk of uh, Mark Rayner's presentation, and Mark is the um, chief operating officer for multi-choice South Africa. And he made an impassioned um plea to the regulator not to impose onerous regulations on multi-choice, saying that uh, they are indeed facing intense competition and, they argue, unfair competition from Netflix, Amazon, YouTube, Apple, you name it. They listed it in their presentation. Um, And, you know, I I think the the key part of their presentation was they were saying that – you know, um, we, we are facing an existential threat from these streaming providers. Not only that, but Netflix et al. Uh, do not pay tax in South Africa. I'm not quite sure how true that is. They don't employ people here, um, and they are not subject to regulations and, and um, fees, such as having to make contributions to the Media Development and Diversity Agency, as well as the Underserviced Area Access Agency. And, um, and they are... Uh, um, they're, they're saying this amounts to unfair competition. The SABC's hearing um, was quite interesting. They um, they were quite uh, strong on st- had strong views on on the um, so-called must-carry regulations. These are regulations that state that um, pay TV operators, including multi-choice, must carry the SABC's public service channels on their platforms and uh, the interpretation. And certainly what's been happening is that multi-choice and other pay TV operators, namely StarSat, I'm not sure if there are any others carrying SABC, can carry those channels for free of charge without having to pay the SABC for their carriage. And they've argued that this is, um, in fact, benefiting the pay TV sector and harming the uh, free-to-air sector. And that's some of the most popular programming on um, DSTV, um, which is fascinating, by the way, is SABC, local SABC content, including soap operas and the like. Uh, I wouldn't have guessed that, but um, it appears that a lot of people um, buy DS, subscribe to DSTV and then spend a bo- the bulk of their time watching SABC. 
local content. Yeah. Is that because their reception in there, in wherever they are, is not as good for it might it might be yeah uh, i suspect it's on the lower end packages so th- i think it's called easy view and access the mm. two entry level packages and i suspect you know there're not a lot there's not a lot of channels on those on those platforms certainly not a lot of premium channels so i think people are perhaps buying them uh for for those a few additional channels that you get compared to terrestrial television uh but are um are still using them mainly to consume free to air television content from sabc well, I guess it shows you local content is still so much in demand and people yeah. pay to get it. Mm. Fortunately, yeah, it's it's kind of a roundabout way if they use multi-choice to do it. Yeah, yeah. But then you have to ask why has SABC not um, kind of improved whatever their offerings was to, to help those customers who can't get good reception, for example? Yeah, I suppose it's a bit. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's to do with reception. It might be partially to do with that because um, I think that uh, some of the SABC public uh, public service channels, especially SABC three, don't have as a bigger coverage footprint than say SABC one. Um, so it, it may be a, ca- a case of people using satellite to access the channels because not all the channels are available where they live. Um, I, I know. I know that SABC three doesn't have as big a footprint as SABC one and SABC two. Um, so it could very well be to get access to that additional channel and also the additional channels you get through Easy View and through DSTV Access um, at a relatively low cost. I think Access is 100 bucks a month. I think Easy View is about 20 bucks a month. Um, so it's a low cost and you're getting more than you would get just through a normal analog TV service. Well, I see a lot of satellite dishes around when I'm driving around looking at you know low-cost housing areas or a lot of these informal housing yeah, alongside the roads. Um, virtually every one of those has satellite. Now, obviously, they're not going for the high-end packages, like you were saying. Now, yes, um, but it must be. I mean, if, they, if that's the bulk of the content, it, it must be the reception. Why would you then spend extra money? Or the additional channels, the few additional channels that you get, possibly. But maybe, probably, maybe, maybe a bit of both. Maybe a bit of both. But also, if you look at the location of a lot of these places and the amount of metal in between there, and look, reception could all could literally be a problem. Yeah, without an aerial on the roof, and if you're going to put an aerial on one, just put a dish on. <laughs> Possibly, but it's, it's interesting. Very interesting look, yeah, yeah. It's very, it would be very interesting to take a deep dive into that and see user mm-hmm. behavior. I wonder if there's studies out there about it. Yeah, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. So um, ETV also presented, uh, read their written submission, and they made a very strong argument why multi-choice's advertising should be capped. So they should not be allowed more than a certain amount of advertising. In fact, they argued that in terms of the Electronic Communications Act, multi-choice may not um, derive more money from advertising than they do from subscription fees and sponsorships, uh, which is interesting. Um, so yeah, they're um, arguing that the pay TV, the, sorry, the free to air sector in South Africa is in at re- real risk um, from a very strong pay TV sector. Uh, I did get the impression though that ETV was was kind of lobbying for regulations to to protect it, and um, uh, you know, I, th- I think they were looking for for help to to channel advertising revenue in their direction and possibly unfairly. Uh, I certainly got the impression reading their their representations in that regard, and um, and then all the, a lot of the uh, the, pres- the guys who presented said um, that there needs to be some action on sports rights, splitting of sports rights, uh, like uh, Ofcom has done in the UK, uh, preventing Sky from having rights over everything and allowing other broadcasters like like um, you know BBC uh, or sorry not BBC BT uh, to offer um, 
soccer matches on their fiber platforms and that sort of thing. Uh, there was also a strong argument from Celsius, which I thought made a lot of sense. They said that uh, the um, that they that there shouldn't be a situation where um, a broadcaster buys up the rights across all platforms and then only uses one of the platforms, say satellite distribution, to uh, make that uh, available. So, for for example, Super 15 rugby rights, Super Rugby, um, buying it all up and then only broadcasting it on, on uh, say, satellite TV. And when another broadcaster comes along and says, well, we want this for streaming, um, sorry, uh, all the rights are sold to one broadcaster. So they, they put forward quite a strong argument there. Uh, but yeah, multi-choice arguing that any regulations that come have to be light touch uh, and they risk damaging oh. the industry, especially at a, a key point in the industry where um, increasingly people are starting to stream. Oh. They, they said that they've lost um, 100,000 customers in the last year to um, to uh, Netflix, DSTV oh. premium customers. No, it's straight to that, to Netflix. Let's be honest, you know, in People's pockets have become much tighter. Yeah. Uh, I know a few people that cancel just outright because they can afford it. Yes, they then go to a cheaper option, but it can't be mm. because of Netflix. Yes, it's, it could very well be the weak economy. And ICASA, I'd left by that point, but I see there was a report in one of the uh, independent group newspapers saying that the one of the ICASA councillors um, asked them that exact question. Can you provide us with some proof that, that actually they've left to go to Netflix and this is not just a case of unaffordability um, in, a, in, a, in a weak economic environment? It, it's probably probably you'll probably find it's a bit of both. But, I mean, yeah, yeah, they do, they do go hand in hand. Um, but if you compare eight hundred bucks, what is it now? Eight hundred bucks versus hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty rand on Netflix. I think it's close to a thousand rand now if you've got a PVR, wow. and uh, I think it's around nine nine sixty also um, for the DSTV premium package with the with what they call the PVR access fee, or I forget what they call it exactly. Um, but it's not it's not cheap on that high end package. Um, I suspect this is all going to whatever the final regulations look like. It's 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 mainly going to deal with the must carry regulations, and it's also going to deal with sports rights. I suspect those are the two areas that Icasa will focus on if they decide to do regulations. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, how long is a piece of string when it comes to dealing with sports rights? I mean, you can be very light touch on it and and and, uh, and uh, perhaps introduce some very basic sort of regulations, or you could uh, you could go the whole hog and say to Multi Choice, well, you need to unbundle Supersport, make it a separate company, and allow it to sell its channels to anyone who, want, who is prepared to buy them from you. Look, I certainly, I mean, it, it, it's an industry wide. This has an industry wide impact. I mean, whoever sells a sports right should probably start looking at selling like like they do in the states, where you have streaming rights and pay per view rights, and then normal cable or broadcast rights mm. for each event so that you find that an event could be broadcast on satellite channel and a streaming service or I mean yes somebody's still going to lose out but I mean you're selling different rights because the the industry's changed you know we have mm. various means of delivery for content now yeah um, unless unless you know the alternative would be to to penalize supersport I guess and make them do something which we don't I guess we don't want to go down that route because where where do we stop mm. with telling people what to do exactly and I, I'm I'm certainly uh, of the view that any regulations that are introduced should be light touch if any regulations are introduced at all uh, I'm uh, as you know I'm, I'm I'm strongly of the view that uh, regulations can distort markets and uh, the wrong regulations uh, could end up could end up damaging the industry, and I, I, I do think that at the end of the day, um, no matter what you think of MultiChoice and its pricing, they do deliver a good service, and um, sure. and and they they uh, they they've done very well as a company. I mean, they're uh, um, 
Sure, you you might disagree that you might think that their DSTV premium package, for example, is horrendously expensive. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you don't have to pay for it. Um, sure, it's 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 hard, especially if you're a sports lover and you want to watch the latest um, Premier League matches or the latest Super Rugby. But um, you know, this this is not a um, it's not something that uh, is a basic human right. Um, but you, to, you, can, you can also counter argue that South, you, they know South Africa is a sport-loving nation. Yeah. And they probably should have taken better steps. I mean, this conversation on super sport has been going on since before I caught cut it in 2008 or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember people talking about, you know, the problem with super sport. And back then it was 600 bucks when I canceled, 650 rand when I canceled my subscription, which yes. was that much back then. Um, and that was, certainly wasn't necessarily the main reason for me canceling. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Supersport really, or, or multi-choice, should have with Supersport come up with a solution a long time ago. You know, yeah. especially around the World Cup. It would have been the perfect way to introduce something. Obviously, you know, business interest would play first role. They still have uh, um, shareholders to keep happy. Mm. But, you know, you know, there could have been a solution, and I don't think they would have been pushed into a corner like this now if, if they had a relatively accessible means for people to access that content. They could have been the bigger the bigger player here and actually still own that channel if they did it well. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll have to wait and see what uh, regulations um we'll obviously go through a, a set of draft regulations at least one probably more than one before we yeah. we see anything yeah. final if any regulations are developed at all. Um Icasa seems to have been um reluctant to 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 try and regulate the space in the past they've done almost nothing from a regulatory perspective um whether something comes out of this i don't know but um i'm i'd certainly be in favor of light touch rather than than onerous regulations being introduced in this space which we all know can distort the market we and multi-choice is quite correct that the market is changing dramatically um they say i mean we know the world's going online streaming is the future uh, linear uh, pay, linear satellite-based broadcasting could be dead in twenty years. Yeah, yeah, probably is. Could very well, probably will be. Yeah. Um, so it was an interesting, uh, interesting hearings this week, and uh, we'll look for we'll look forward to those um, draft regulations if they are ever forthcoming. So, speaking of um, policy and regulators and all the rest of it. Um, Nomvula Mokanyane, who is our new Minister of Communications, and I forget uh, how many that is now since uh, <laughs> since ninety four. <laughs> I think it's about she's about the eleventh or twelfth Communications Minister, something like that. Um, and and certainly there's been a high turnover in the last five years, um, but um, she's been very quiet ever since she was appointed. I think in February, towards the end of February, by the new president, Sir Ramaphosa, um, has said nothing about digital migration. Uh, which is obviously the most critical thing on her in her, in her portfolio dealing with this. Anyway, she uh, she delivered a speech in Parliament on the occasion of her budget um, uh, vote uh, for for her department, uh, where she announced that um, she will be making an announcement soon. Uh, she announced she'll be making an announcement. She announced she'll be making an announcement, uh, and uh, she's looking for a um, a panel to advise her. Um, and I, th- I just thought, oh, we've seen this a whole, we've seen this movie before. Um, so soon we will have an announcement about an announcement, probably. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? But uh, it's all a, it's all a bit of a joke at this stage. We are so far behind. Um, she's talking about public-private partnerships. Um, 
she's talking about the urgency of dealing with this issue, but uh, every other minister before her spoke about the urgency of dealing with the issue, and not not a heck of a lot happened. Um, so, um, excuse me if I'm cynical about this whole thing. Sorry, what did you say? I said, excuse me if I'm cynical about uh, this whole thing. No, no, but that's what I was saying. Actions, actions over words, right? You yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, we should, well, hopefully know in a few weeks what our plans are. Um, but don't hold your breath, Rehart. Don't hold your breath. Right. Uh, we need to take a quick ad break for our podcast listeners. For our live listeners, we'll be back right now. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad, my game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my cord just cut out. With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber, now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity. For business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Welcome back to the show. How's it, Rehart? How's it, Duncan? Nice Sunday afternoon. You see the weather is going utterly pear-shaped from tomorrow in Johannesburg. You wouldn't, no, you wouldn't say, you wouldn't you, say you, it looking you, outside you, right you, now. Me now. <laughs> it's going to be rainy and freezing cold tomorrow. So enjoy the, the last bit of summer weather this afternoon here in Joburg. It's, uh, mm. it's all coming to an end. I've got a cycling week planned. That's not good news for oh, me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be a fair-weather cyclist, so that's fine. Yeah, just put on your Wellington boots and your uh, and your raincoat, and off you go. <laughs> <laughs> hope your drone. I hope the drone that follows you is waterproof. Uh, yeah, I'll just put it in a, in a plastic Ziploc. <laughs> Might not fly too well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Nasper flipping Flipkart to Walmart. Um, this is the second major multi-billion uh, dollar deal that um, that that Nasper has announced in uh, in the last month or so. Of course, they sold. I think it was two percent of their stake in ten cent uh, for a huge amount of money. I forget the exact number, but now they've announced that they're selling uh, their uh, stake in in Flipkart, which I think was around eleven percent. Now Flipkart is a very big e-commerce retailer in India, and uh, there was um, there was it, it, according to reports there was um, background bidding going on between uh, Walmart and Amazon uh, to buy Flipkart, which uh, is um, obviously a prized asset in in uh, a country with the second highest population in the world um just behind china around 1.3 billion people i think um and uh flipkart is 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 i think the biggest e-commerce retailer in india uh so obviously a massive opportunity there and uh and nice selling out um they weren't the biggest shareholder but they had a significant stake which they invested in quite quite a few years ago and they realized a massive massive return on that on that sale and uh yeah they sold their 11 percent stake for 28 billion rand um so the nice balance sheet is starting to look quite healthy with the, <laughs> with all these sales the mm-hmm. quest- question is what are they going to do with it um and we, we know they've invested in a range of e-commerce online classifieds uh, type businesses around the world and um, no doubt they're going to look to make further investments and hopefully 
find the next Flipkart and find even possibly find the next Tencent, although I don't think that's really going to happen. Yeah, look, it's now about ownership of these big online portals and online spaces. And I'm eagerly just waiting for the, oh, and Amazon is coming to South Africa add-on because <laughs> it, it seems like these companies are building up to something, you know. It does. Walmart and Amazon do seem to be in a race against each other to, uh, to, 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 to buy up assets around the world and to expand into new markets. So Walmart, of course, is in South Africa already, just not with the Walmart brand. They own MassMart, uh, which owns stores like Game, Macro, um, I forget which other ones. Um, they've got a whole range. I think Dion Wired is one of their companies. Yeah, yes. uh, so they, the Walmart is here already, um, but not, not with a, a, a big Walmart uh, store, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's inevitable that Amazon's going to come here eventually. Um, but I think they've got bigger fish to fry right now. I mean, India is obviously a much, much, much bigger and potentially more lucrative market than South Africa. Yeah. But you know, once they've bedded down those big deals and 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 um, built significant businesses in those markets, I'm sure they'll turn to smaller markets. Uh, and uh, Africa is um, is is an obvious one to come to, and South Africa is probably the market where they'd start. Um, the question is, do they just come in or do they do an acquisition? I would imagine they would do an acquisition. And I think we've spoken about this before. The obvious target is is take a lot, in which, of course, Nasperch is a significant shareholder. <laughs> um, so yeah. They've made some good investments, Nasperch, haven't they? Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, <laughs> that should be a case study. You know, if, yeah. if I would go, go study this type of thing, I would yeah. like to look deeper at, at how they did what they did. Yeah, I think part of it is 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 fluke. I mean, I don't think Nasbash ever thought that Tencent would turn into the thing it turned into. Um, but it, it's probably the uh, there may be other examples, but it's it's possibly the most successful um, venture capital investment ever made. Wow, nice. Um, I forget how much they invested initially. I think it was something like twenty five million dollars. Um, and their stake there now is worth something like one and a half trillion um, oh. rand. Sorry, I forget the dollar amount, um, but it's it's significant. Um, the, the return from that from investing in that business is is unbelievable. And it was Antony Roux. Do you remember Antony Roux? He he led that investment. He was the founding CEO of Mweb. Yes. Mm. Oh yeah, back in the day when Mweb was all the talk. Yeah. He died. Uh, he died a few years ago, um, but he led that investment. He was uh, up there in, in Hong Kong and, and uh, Southeast Asia, and he was actively scouting for these investments. And it, it was him and his team that found Tencent, and uh, with obviously with the backing of Chris Becker, they uh, they pulled the trigger on that investment. And uh, it's it's been absolutely phenomenal for NASPAR shareholders, yeah. and it's benefited. I mean. You, you can't underestimate the the benefit that it's brought to South Africans as well, because pension funds, uh, so many um, so many South Africans are, are indirectly invested in, in Tencent uh, through NASPAS, through through Unit Trust, through pension their pension funds, all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so it's it's been hugely lucrative, not just for NASPAS, but for thousands of possibly even millions of South Africans. Yeah, well, look, healthy South African businesses is good for South Africa. Um, or at least, you know, businesses based in actively operating here. Yeah. Mm. 
So, uh, Vodacom, I, I mentioned the uh, podcast I did earlier this week with uh, Shamil Jusab. Um, go have a listen to it if you haven't already. It's a 30, 35 minute podcast, but really w- well worth a listen. Uh, we talk about a w- range of things from ICT policy, the wholesale open access network to competition in the space. Um, and uh, he, he made some interesting remarks. He said um, the regulator should issue 5G spectrum now. Um, which is an interesting uh, statement given that 4G spectrum hasn't been allocated yet. Um, but he, he made an impassioned plea arguing that if we don't do this, um, we really are at risk of falling behind because there is no there is no plan B when it comes to 5G. With 4G, even though the operators still haven't been given access to the spectrum because of everything we know that's been going on uh, in the background with uh, policy and, and all the rest of it, um, the operators were able to roll out 4G LTE networks using... Um, existing spectrum assignments are 2G and 3G. Um, so they've, they've been re-farming is the, the term they use, or reallocating spectrum um, away from old 2G um, networks and, and reallocating it for data and 4G. They can't do that with 5G. Uh, they don't have the resources to do it. Um, and, and I don't think the existing spectrum uh, that they have is, is suitable for 5G anyway. So he's arguing that the, the, some, of the, some of the spectrum for 5G is already available and lying fallow, and it should just be made available through the normal process of either auctioning it off or a beauty contest or whichever way you prefer to, to allocate spectrum, um, and, and not wait for the current impasse of a policy that's slowing down the allocation of 4G spectrum. Now, uh, I don't think this is going to happen. I don't think the government's going to allow the allocation of 5G spectrum if they haven't even finished the policy on 4G spectrum. Uh, But it's an interesting one, and he was warning that we are going to fall behind as a country and we are not going to be uh, deploying leading technologies in this country unless the operators can get access to this 5G spectrum. Can you say digital migration TV project? Oh, God, that just makes me depressed. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this really is a problem because every step, every time we fall behind on things like this, mm. we become less lucrative to tech investors to bring their technologies here. Um, you know, if we have these, and I'm not saying it's the only reason, but if we have these, you know, if we have these leading technologies running, but there was a time when we used to leapfrog all the world's best tech. I think 3G was a, a leapfrog tech. Where we, we, we were one of the first countries in the world to deploy 3G. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I mean, it was fantastic. So again, you know, good news kind of story, but also, people look at us and say, okay, these guys are serious about tech. And mm. whoever then tries to build a business around that tech in South Africa, you know, there's so many more benef- benefits for them. And again, good, good economy as a result of it. Yeah. Uh, we've got an election coming up now. Um, I, I, I have my doubts that the, the policy issue around this is going to be sorted out before or after the election. Um, I think we're going to have to wait, uh, which is a problem because these operators need the spectrum. But let's let's talk about something more uh, upbeat, uh, Richard. Let's talk about Google, uh, their big de- developer conference. Um, I did watch uh, most of it, um, but what what for you were the highlights? Well, look, I mean, Google for the first time in a, in a while has really made me go, okay, if, the, if these things come to the next version of Android, I am switching full time. You know, I'm definitely putting my heart. <laughs> um, some of the some of the coolest thing, obviously, uh, the keynote. One of the things that was most spoken about was the Google duplex voice assistant that allows that can make calls on your behalf to do. Oh yeah. That was spectacular. Wow. Yeah. That is pretty impressive. Uh, (laughs) And I was joking. If if that could do some of my work for me, I would be a very happy person. Yeah. Some of those calls. And it's incredible to think that the technology is now in your, in your hand that you can have a virtual assistant, almost, you know, a real virtual assistant. Mm. I mean, we've had some of the technology for a while where you could, uh, 
you know, say say to your phone to, to remind you of certain things and you know do that type of stuff. But now that it can actually outwardly be a function, <laughs> I'm looking forward to to seeing more about uh, what they can do there. In the in the same vein of um, stuff on Google getting smarter. Another one of my absolutely favorite features, and this is something I've been wanting for years, uh, is a smart compose feature that they're introducing with Gmail that will automatically, based on your pre- previous emails, complete it. So if I say my address, find me at, it knows what your address is and it'll complete it. I mean, that makes so much sense. Mm. I mean, you know, typing a lot of mails, especially dealing with um, you know, various people in the industry, in the media industry, there's a lot of the same type of Reply that's often being sent. Yes. No, Next. I'm not. No, I'm not going to use your press release. <laughs> <laughs> It'll almost be a default auto reply by the time. <laughs> but I mean, it it, it seems like a, a small thing, but it's making Gmail more powerful. And for businesses, again, you know, you've got really a very decent, very good back end that a lot of companies are using as their back end platform. Stuff like this, you know, it, it makes even more sense to. You know, to have smart email composing. Google Maps was another product that uh, is going to be receiving a major update. And, and the, f- the feature there that completely blew everyone away is the Street View AR overlay that allows you to, when you search for uh, any place to go, if you're walking around, um, this AR overlay allows you to hold up your phone in the direction that you're going to be walking, and it'll actually guide you. Are you walking in the right direction? No, you should probably turn around. It's a very cool feature, especially if you're going to be, you know, be a tourist in another country. I think it's, mm. Google Maps has already helped in that department, you know, so hugely. If if you look at what they've done for just maps and allowing people to quickly get to places, uh, but this is a very cool feature, and I can I can see potential, you know, ability after that that we can do with AR, you know, better maps with this stuff in your car. I mean, there's there's some interesting things I think that we're going to see off that. And then, obviously, they introduced uh, Android P's public beta, which, um, yeah, that's the one I'm really looking forward to, the new next version of Android. Um, they've announced some of the devices are going to come out on. Uh, I don't know if you've seen anything on that list that was jumping out at you, but... Um, not particularly not- on Android, no. It, it was um, just refinements, uh, really. I think the I think the, the voice assistant stuff was the coolest uh, uh, stuff, and the, the, I think the, the most interesting stuff that came out of Google I/O this year was the stuff that was powered by artificial intelligence, like the assistant. Um, yes. I, I was a bit skeptical about that assistant, though, in the, in, in the real-world calls where it makes a call on your behalf to your hair salon or whatever. Uh, oh. I, I can't see that working in 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 practice for many years still. No, for sure, but look. Don't underestimate how quickly AI learns. Once you have a technology that's kind of ready to roll out, and if this is mature enough, mm. it could learn. I mean, it, it, it just needs to learn language and understand what people are saying to it, and and learn the responses. I think South Africa is going to be a, a tricky industry. I don't think <laughs> it's in South Africa. So, yeah, yeah. if a demo, you know, I've never had a conversation that goes back and forth like that so smoothly. I mean, there's usually at least seventy-five repetitions of what I want to say or order or, you know, there's like, um, so I agree. It's, it's not, but the fact that they've got this and it's going to be a feature that's working. I mean, it's, yeah. they haven't set a release date for it yet. Um, so it's, it's still a, a work in progress. 
but it's exciting. It's exciting. There's no doubt that it's exciting. And uh, I see there's already some uh, concern expressed about um, about people not knowing whether this is actually a machine that's calling you or not, uh, because the voice is that good. And uh, yeah. Google responded to say that uh, that its assistant will introduce itself as the Google assistant before it speaks to you. <laughs> oh, interesting. Look, I'll probably be more worried about uh, marketers using this. Mm. So, you know, that could be a bigger problem if they get hold of well, they, they will get hold of this technology. I mean, there will be other AI technologies and voice yeah. systems. Yeah. Um, but this is, without a doubt, the way technology is taking us. You know, I, I was skeptical about, um, you know, voice assistants on your phone to begin with. You know, speak to your phone to remind you, Siri, you know, all those kind of things. I, I, I don't really use it today still. But I guess the concept of the technology is solid, but it's just not practical in my day-to-day yet, I guess. Mm. Something like this, you know, as, as the technology increases, I kind of get more familiar with it, start using it more, and then it becomes kind of once everybody starts introducing it in their life as a, oh, this is just another standard feature in my life. Mm. Um, yeah, I think then, then we'll start seeing some really interesting AI tech advances. Yeah, no, it was the best uh, Google I.O. event I've seen, I think, since the the one where they um, did the skydive into the into the conference center. Do you remember that one? Yes, when they had to about uh, five uh, years ago. They had to point at the the, the skydive. That yeah, was, I love the tech behind it. Yeah. That was a fantastic Google I.O. But this one was very good as well. It was one of the better ones I've seen. And uh, yeah, that's our news this week. Um, let's move along to our regular features. Our winner this week is Setumo Mohapi. He's the CEO of the state IT agency and a guy who has an unenviable job. Uh, I went to a press conference in Pretoria. It's the reason I left MultiChoice's um, hearings at uh, ICASA a little early on Friday was to go through to Pretoria to uh, hear Satuma Mohapi talking about the progress they're making in uh, fighting corruption in the agency, and it really is a major problem. Uh, he says the he says they're making very good progress. Um, and uh, they are locking out the crooks, basically. Um, but uh, I think he's got a he's he's got a very very tough job, a very unpleasant job. Uh, he was um, formerly CEO of Centec, and I think he was very disappointed to have been taken out of that environment. Although he's never publicly said so, uh, I get the impression that he was uh, he really loved the job at Centec, and uh, he was redeployed as these things tend to happen in government into the state IT agency. Um, but he's tackled it, uh, taken the bull by the horns, uh, if you like, and um, he is cleaning it out, and he is not taking prisoners. He is uh, he is warning people that uh, if there is any transgressions of ethics or uh, any looting or any uh, corruption uncovered, they will be fired and they will be prosecuted. Uh, 180 people have left CETA's employment either because they've been fired, they have been suspended, or they have resigned under a cloud since he took over three years ago. Um, wow, that's a huge number. It's a massive number. Looks like but probably everybody, every, every, at least in every key position. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's Tumo Mahapi. Um, hell of a nice guy. Very soft spoken. One of the one of the nicest guys you could you could possibly meet. And he just gets he's just getting on with the job. And as I said on Twitter uh, a couple of days ago, we need more guys like him in government. Yes. And our loser this week is ZTE. Um, although I was tempted to pick Donald Trump for putting his ZTE into the situation it's in. Um, but uh, they're, they're facing a, an existential threat now. They've um, basically been told that they can't buy any components from the U.S. from vendors such as um, Intel, Qualcomm, uh, anyone you could imagine, possibly even Android from Google, um, uh, due to uh, um, them allegedly violating sanctions and selling products, I think, into Iran or one or two other markets. 
Um, but this is a major problem for, for uh, ZTE. If they can't get access to crucial components for their technology, um, they are, they're in a lot of trouble and uh, their share price has been suspended. Um, there's, a, there's a possibility this company's going to go to the wall. Um, that, it's that serious. Um, so our loser this week is ZTE, although um, perhaps the runner-up loser this week is uh, is Donald Trump for his uh, nationalist uh, policies. Um, Z- ZTE may have uh, may have uh, breached uh, some sanctions, but uh, the um, response does seem to be rather inappropriate. Rather find them. Don't, put, don't threaten their business. Um, and it, it just makes the world a more unstable place, I think, as, as uh, tensions ratchet up between the U.S. And, and China over this trade war. Um, but it's um, it's a worrying situation, and a lot of networks, including networks here in South Africa, use ZTE. Some of them ex- extensively, especially in Africa, um, use ZTE in their networks extensively. And I think the the guys who built those networks must be a bit worried about uh, the current situation at the at that Chinese company. Uh, so, uh, what's your pick this week, Rahad? Um All right. So I've been playing with the wonderful world of Windows full-time again with this wonderful test trick that, I've, that I'm using to edit my videos. Android um, and Windows, man, what's happening to you? I know, it's <laughs> like beautiful. I'm getting back to, to journalism rare heart, 2000, circa 2003. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the, so I've been playing with Windows, um, obviously nothing much to report on that front. I am looking forward to the new update coming out soon. But yeah. my pick for this week, because I've got a lot of stuff on um you know, on, in the Apple ecosystem and in the Apple world, all of my hard drives um, are basically. You know, oh, Rechot, I've just lost you. And Rechot's back. How's it? You just dropped, or I just dropped. Either way, sorry. Okay, let me just do a voice marker for the podcast, and uh, and then carry on with those thoughts. So yes, I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing with Windows. Love it. Nothing to report there, but I've been playing with. So I've been playing with a little tool called HFS Plus for Windows. And like I said, a lot of my hard drives, all of my hard drives, are for the Mac ecosystem, so they're all formatted, um, you know, for the Mac, uh, Mac, I, Mac OS. And that's a problem if you've got a Windows, if you introduce Windows into the mix, because you can't see and write to those partitions. So with a Paragon software, HFS Plus, uh, it's basically a, it's a, it's a plug, it's a little installation file that just runs in the background um, of your Windows uh, computer, and it allows you to, to write to... Um, to, to Mac-based volumes, um, and it's it's yeah, it's basically saved me a lot of effort, you know, to obviously reformat my drives. I can just use everything as is. Obviously, with any new drives, I will have them formatted correctly. Uh, but I, you know, I've been a huge fan of Paragon software for many years. I've got a lot of tools um, that works both ways for be- between you know Apple and uh, Windows ecosystems, and I've done this a few times where you know I need to write to various drives. So they've got for they got. Um, that writes that I've got running on my Mac OS at the moment that allows me to write to uh, Windows drives on a network. So Paragon software is well worth checking out, but HFS Plus specifically uh, if you want to read and write to Mac partitions on a uh, Windows computer. Cool. Check it out. I picked a game this week. I haven't done that in a while. Um, it's a yeah. game called Frostpunk for Windows. Uh, it may be available for other platforms, but I'm playing it on Windows via Steam. And it's a great deal of fun. It's a little city builder. Um, but basically, the world has been destroyed, and the, you've, you've got to restart it. Um, new ice age, and, and, and it starts in this, this kind of... Um, 
volcano, I suppose, or a crater, it looks like. Uh, and um, you've got to restart the um, the generator, build the little town, mine um, wood and, and, and coal, um, keep your people from dying. Otherwise, they will... Um, they will uh, force you out of town and you die in the snow. It's um, it's a fantastic little game. A little hat tip to Greg for uh, for, for t- tipping me off about it. Um, but it's it's a great little time waster. And the graphics are absolutely mind-blowing. Very, very good graphics. Um, and so if you enjoy city builders, if you like Sim City and that sort of thing, uh, yeah. even the Sims, um, Frostpunk is, is really, really well done. Um, Great little game, and not too expensive. I forget the price, but it's uh, one seventy-five. One seventy-five. There we go. It's worth every yes. we worth yeah. every cent. My heart now. <laughs> there goes the rest of your Sunday record. Yeah, thank you so much for that. <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> and I think that's our show. Apart from our uh, a quiz results, let me do the first question: uh, Which regulations does the SABC want amended or scrapped that it says unfairly benefit pay TV operators, including multi-choice, and that is the must-carry regulations? Second question, Diamond Giant De Beers has started tracking gems using which technology? And the answer is obviously the blockchain. (laughs) Which Chinese smartphone giant is expected to launch an initial public offering soon, making billionaires out of its founders? And that is Xiaomi. Fourth question, Vodafone is spending 18 billion euros buying European telecommunications assets from which company? The answer is Liberty Global. And the final question in this week's quiz, China Telecom Global is to set up internet points of presence in South Africa in partnership with which operator? And that is Liquid Telecom. And that's our show. Um, do remember, if you want to uh, send us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, use the WhatsApp number. Of course, you can email us, info at techcentral.ca.za. But rather send us a voice note, and we can include you in our next show. The number is 071 Do you have any views on what we, what we discussed today or any questions you'd like to ask of uh, either me or Rechart in our next show? And we'd be happy to uh, attempt to answer them anyway. And, uh, yeah, that's our show from Rechard and myself until next week. Cheers. Ciao.